Dear friends in Jesus Christ, amazingly, God loves us. Because he loves us, what else can we say? Well, he wants to keep us close. He wants to show us his ways. He wants to surround us with his almighty protection, and he wants to hear our prayers. Aren't those wonderful things, amazing things that our great God wants for us? Today, we are in Isaiah chapter 58. We're taking a look at today's Old Testament reading. We're going to see in this reading some problems that Israel had, but the thing is, they didn't know they had these problems. They thought they were doing great. So the Lord is going to show his love for them by pointing out the problems and also giving them a great solution. Sometimes for us, we have problems too. Maybe think about it like this. I don't know how many people sift flour today, but as sifting flour improves the flour, what does it do? It puts air into the flour. It gets rid of any lumps that might be in the flour. So it improves it. So when God disciplines us, what is he doing? He is exposing our sin and he is leading us to receive the blessings of ones who are repentant. That's what God wants to do for these Old Testament people today. And that's what he wants to do in our lives as well for New Testament people. May God help us to see it and understand it and benefit from it. First of all, we come to the Lord's command here. We're in Isaiah chapter 58, picking up in verse 1. What we have here now is the Lord speaking to Isaiah. He says to him, cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. When I read that, I thought about a drill sergeant giving commands to the soldiers. Now, I would imagine a drill sergeant probably loves to do that. He loves to scream at the top of his voice. He loves to see the reaction of those men and women he is training. But for most people though, they probably don't care to work with others in that same way. So I'm not coming here to yell at anyone. I'm coming here bringing the truth of the Bible, but not to deal like a drill sergeant. However, though, did you notice what the Lord said to Isaiah? Cry loudly, do not hold back. So the Lord was saying, speak in a very strong way to these people. However, though, think about it like this not in a strong way to condemn them, but in a strong way to show great love for them. Sometimes people can interpret it as condemnation when in fact it is intended to be love. That is what the Lord is doing here for the people long ago. That's what he wants to do for us as well. Well, in the second part here, the Lord is explaining, or maybe we could say pointing out the right desires of the people. When I read here, actually it's amazing how right the people's desires were. Listen to what the Lord said. They seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. As a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. 
from the perspective of these people of Israel at this time in history, they are doing nothing wrong. They are doing everything right. They are seeking what is pleasing to God. They are happy with what is pleasing to God, and they are trying to do what is pleasing to God. The Lord also went on to say about these people, they ask me for just decisions. That's a good thing too. It, it all sounds great. They want God's will to be done, not their own. Finally, he says, they delight in the nearness of God. Isn't that a great thing too? For people who are evil, they want to be away from the Lord. For people who are right, they want to be close to the Lord. That's what these people wanted. So it kind of seems like they had all the right desires, but there's something wrong here, though. In this third part, the Lord reveals what the people are actually thinking. Why have we fasted and you do not see why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? So the people are coming to the conclusion and saying, wait a minute now, we are doing right, we have fasted, we have humbled ourselves, everything is right with us. So they're almost coming to the conclusion and saying, Lord, there must be something wrong with you. We're okay but you're not responding to us, so there must be something wrong with you. That's really what they're saying here. Have you ever had that in your own life where you thought, hey, I've got like all my ducks lined up in a row here. I think I'm in good shape, so why do I have trouble in my life? It doesn't seem to be my fault. It must be the Lord's fault. Well, we should never put the blame on him, but that kind of seems like what was going on back a long time ago. And then coming to the fourth part here, the Lord explains what is wrong. So the people couldn't see it. They were blinded to it. But now he's going to explain what is wrong. First of all, the thing that is wrong is they are taking their fasting and they're mixing it with pleasure. So the Lord said, behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. So think about fasting. What should fasting be? Fasting should be self-denial. However, though, what about these people here? They were on one hand fasting, but on the other hand, they had workers. Maybe they were even slaves, but they were driving them extremely hard on the same day that they're fasting. So on one hand, they're denying themselves. On the other hand, they're trying to enrich themselves by getting their workers to work even harder and make them even more money. It was just incompatible, the two things they were trying to do at the same time, and the Lord is pointing that out. And then he said to them, they were mixing fasting with abuse. This is going even further. They weren't simply trying to enrich themselves, but they were abusing their workers. Notice what the Lord said. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. In other words, they were fasting because they wanted their voice to be heard on high. And yet the Lord is saying, hey guys, the way you're proceeding, your voice is not going to be heard on high. 
even though they didn't really see what was going on. What's that talking about there? Well, when we fast, it should certainly be in connection with repentance, with a repentant heart. Also, fasting should be done in secret, but it seems that it's indicating here that the people were boasting about their fasting. They were doing the opposite of what they should have been doing. Take a look at the middle of Matthew chapter 6, and you'll see how we are supposed to fast in a proper way, hearing right from Jesus. And then when they looked at their workers and they're already driving their workers to work hard and if they weren't working hard enough, what were they doing? Now they're hitting them with their fists. I mean, these people, they are supposed to be repentant in their hearts and yet it's all mixed up. It just isn't right at all and the Lord wanted them to know that. They thought that he was wrong and yet they were wrong. That was the problem. And then in letter C here, what else was wrong? They were, in some ways, they were right on the outside, but certainly they were wrong in the heart. The Lord said, it is a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself. Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? So all of those things are not a bad thing on the outside, but if all of those things are not accompanied by a truly repentant heart, then it means nothing. Then it's hypocritical. What is a hypocrite when something is true on the inside, but they are speaking or acting in a different way on the outside. These people were really being hypocrites. In some ways, they're putting on the show of a fast, but yet they did not have repentant hearts. Such a deceptive thing. What does the Bible tell us? God doesn't look so much at our outward appearance, but he looks at the, yeah, at the heart. That's what he looks at. How about here in part five? So the Lord explains now what is right. In this section, when we think about fasting, at least when I hear the word, I tend to think about giving up a particular kind of food or maybe skipping a particular meal, something like that. But what the Lord is doing here is he's opening up fasting to mean all kinds of different things. So regarding fasting, the Lord said, is this not the fast which I choose? to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Now, back then, probably these Israelites had people working for them that maybe we would call them their slaves. So they were forcing them to stay with them. They were forcing them to do their work. The Lord is saying, wouldn't a more proper fast be to release these people, to let them go? Or maybe to put it in modern terms today, maybe take these people, unloose their chains, and then invite them back to work and make the working environment so attractive that now they want to come and work for you. Wouldn't that be a better thing? Wouldn't that be a great place to work at? When you so enjoy your job and the environment is so pleasant that you want to come there and do your work. 
These are the kinds of things that the Lord is suggesting would be best. And then the Lord goes on and says to them, here's another way to think about fasting. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. So as the Lord had abundantly provided the needs of the people of Israel, they had an abundance. And he's saying, notice people who are in need and use some of your abundance to help those people in need. Aren't we in the same situation? Don't all of us have an abundance of food and clothes and shelter? What does the Lord want us to do? He wants us to see those who are in true need and then to share some of what we have with them. Where is such action going to come from? If it is sincere, it's going to come from a repentant heart. That's what he's getting at with these people. And then in the end here, the Lord explains the benefits of having a repentant heart. And I think in this section here, here's a way to think about it. He's trying to encourage us to have a repentant heart. And he's doing so by telling us, hey, these are the benefits. So he's saying, repent, may it be sincere, may it be in the heart, and then I'm going to shower these benefits upon you. So it says here, verse eight, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth. Have you ever had this situation where maybe you were even, even by an ocean where you could see a beautiful sunrise? So maybe you decided one day you're gonna get up extra early while it's still dark. You're gonna go down by the water and it's gonna be dark and then you're going to see the sky begin to lighten. And then you're going to see the sun begin to pop above the horizon. And like so quickly, boy, that light just spreads across everything, doesn't it? So very quickly. That's what the Lord is talking about here, I believe. I believe he's saying that when you have a repentant heart, just as that sunlight spreads over the whole sky so quickly, when you have a repentant heart, your actions are going to be different, and that's going to show very quickly. If these Israelites had that repentant heart, right away their workers or their slaves, they'd be like, oh, something's very different here. Boy, he's treating us so well. We have good food to eat. We enjoy our jobs. It's going to be like so different so quickly. That's what he's talking about. And then he says and your righteousness will go before you. When we think about something going before, we have to jump back to the time of Moses, and we think when they were wandering in the wilderness, and what was the Lord doing? Leading them during the day with the pillar of cloud, during the night with the pillar of fire. So he's leading them in all the very best ways, and the Lord is saying to us, when we are repentant, we will have the Holy Spirit, we have God's holy word, and he will lead us, he will guide us in such clear and wonderful ways. And then the Lord said to them, the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. When the people of Israel were so vulnerable, what was the Lord doing? He is their rear guard. He's watching their back. 
the Lord is saying, when we have a repentant heart, he will guard our six. And then finally he says in verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. See, that was the problem initially. The people are thinking, we're fasting, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing all the right stuff, and the Lord doesn't hear our prayer. So we've gone through the whole thing now, and the people thought they were okay. The Lord pointed out all the problems. The Lord has called them to repentance, and he's saying, when you have a repentant heart, I'm going to be there. Every time you cry to me, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to respond. Isn't that a wonderful thing to have, especially in the fallen and difficult world in which we live? Isn't it such a great thing to know that when we have a repentant heart, boy, the Lord is there to hear us. The Lord is there to help us in every single time of need. Let's rejoice in our great God and let's pray to him even now. Dear Lord, like Israel, we can be blinded to our sins. So we pray that you would work within us in powerful and wonderful ways to make our sins known to us, to give us godly sorrow in connection with all of our sins, to turn us to Jesus, to help us to trust in him alone as our way to heaven, and then help us to rejoice in all the great benefits you have for us in this life and especially look forward to the amazing benefits yet to come in your glorious presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.